Good morning, everyone. I'll just move this out of the way. Um, how many of you remembered your props for this week? Yeah, well done. We don't need them yet. We're going to need them in a little while. Uh, I brought mine here as well, so there we go. Um, I, I, it's sometimes good to have something that you remember the service by. Um, my, my good friend John Bates, my brother, used to say to me, uh, Stuart, we like you to come to Chowdhury because your sermons were always memorable. Um, I don't know whether they've been since we've been since we've been to St. Ninian's, but never mind, that was good. And I, I think it's good to have something to remember. Sometimes when you have a prop, people just remember the prop or the, the visual aid rather than the sermon, don't they? So I've got a visual aid for you this morning. And it's one of these. I don't know how many of you have got the, one of these at home. Can you see? Does anybody know what it is? Some of you have got I'm sure. It's a stand and a charger for my phone. Yeah? So it's on my bedside normally. And then you put your phone on. It's really clever, isn't it? And you get a blue light and a green to say it's charging. So I'm quite well charged, so that's good. So I'm going to leave that there and come back to that at the end of the service. Okay? So that's got you all thinking, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> Just forget about that for the moment and let's concentrate on, on the sermon. You've seen already that the theme is light. Light of the world is the theme for today. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Jesus being the light of the world. And then we're going to think about, well, what does that mean for us as individuals? How are we to be light of the world? The Advent story is found in all the Gospels. And if you look at them, each of the Gospel writers approaches the Advent story in a different way. And um, we're going to look at John's gospel today. The problem with John, however, is that he doesn't just tell stories. John gives speeches. He doesn't just have a three-point sermon, he has a 53-point sermon. We're not going to have a 53-point sermon today, you'll be pleased to know. John doesn't do anything small. He's the most psychological of all the four gospel writers. John quite simply likes to write things large. He likes to big them up and make them very important. The good thing is the subjects he's talking about are important and deserve being written up. Mark goes back to Isaiah and Malachi to begin his gospel. Matthew goes back to Abraham. Luke, not being outdone, goes all the way back to Adam. But John, he's in a class of his own. When he tells the story of how Jesus came into the world, he goes right back to the dawn of time, right back to the creation of the world. Let's read it in John 1, verse 1 to 18. And I just want to say a message to Val, who's watching today on Cam. She was watching last week. I hope you enjoy the big print Bible, Val. You know what that means, yeah? Good. Right, let's read it together, shall we? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a light to witness. So he only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So there we see quite a lot of references to light. No matter where we look in God's Word, you'll find something about light, how important it is. Genesis, remember the creation. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day. And then in Exodus we read, so Moses stretched out his hands towards the sky and total darkness covered Egypt for three days. No one could see anything else or leave his place for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. That was the story, remember, of the plagues and darkness. But the Israelites, they had light that God provided for them. Another one in Exodus. God gave light to his people. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar or cloud of day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So God provided light for them to travel through the wilderness. And then in Samuel, King David praises God and he says, You are my lamp, O God. The Lord turns my darkness into light. And in Ezra we find these words. Ezra reflects how God hasn't abandoned his people. But now for a brief moment the Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. 
And as I said earlier, each of the Gospels begins with an account of Jesus and Jesus' coming. John uses those words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So do you see what I mean? John doesn't just come into the world, Jesus didn't just come into the world as a result of a decision by his two parents, or rather by Mary and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, to John, isn't the Messiah that Israel has been looking for, and for which the prophets held out hope. No, Jesus, to John, is the Logos. He's the Word of God himself. He's not something that was created. He was already created. He was already there, the triune God. It was Jesus who was part and parcel of creation. It was Jesus who commanded light to come into the world as part of the triune God. John wants us to see the strong connection between the beginning and the creation of the world and the new beginning that has come in Jesus Christ. Think about Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. It wasn't the beginning of his life. We welcomed a small baby, but that wasn't the beginning of Jesus' life. Jesus already existed before the birth in Bethlehem. That's, that's something that just sunk into me this week as I was looking at it and thinking, well, yeah, that's right, because Jesus was already there. He came to earth from heaven. Jesus came down. There was never a time when God in three persons, there was never a time when there wasn't God in three persons, the blessed Trinity, when they didn't exist. He had no beginning and no end. He was there from the beginning and from the end. He'd be there from all the time. 700 years before Jesus' birth, the prophet Isaiah looked forward to a time when the Saviour would come. The people, this is Isaiah's words, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them, a light has shined. And that light is the child Isaiah tells about in the same chapter. For unto us, our familiar words, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Seven centuries later, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied that the coming Messiah would, and these were his words, give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Through Zacharias, the Holy Spirit was announcing that the Messiah would arrive, bringing light to those in darkness. Thank God light came into the world in Bethlehem because we are in a desperate stage now and they were in a desperate state then. Light is a wonderful picture of Jesus, isn't it? Luke tells of a devout elderly man named Simeon whom God had promised would not die before he saw the Messiah. And he was led to the temple by the Holy Spirit at the same time as Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple. Jesus was there as an infant, 
Simon took the Lord Jesus in his arms, saying, My eyes have seen your salvation, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people, Israel. Christmas is about light. I don't know about you, Tim asked earlier if you'd put your Christmas tree up. I put my lights up outside the house a few weeks ago when it was a fine day. I haven't had them switched on yet just to make sure they worked. But maybe it's tomorrow I might switch them on. Or maybe it's today. Tim's given us permission. I'll let him switch them on this afternoon when, when he comes down. Christmas is about light. Jesus is the light of the world. We sing silent night, holy night. But this carol's not about darkness or night. It's about light. Words go on to say, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. When we sing, hark the herald angels sing, hail the Son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. We sing at Christmas because we've got something to sing about, haven't we? We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. Light has come into a dark world. And if ever we need light in the world, we need light in the world today, don't we? We live in a dark world. I don't know about you, but it would be dead easy to get depressed when we watch the news, isn't it? The new, although we talked last week a bit about kindness, and uh, there's a lot of kindness in the world, um, but there's a lot of darkness as well at the moment. And we're praying against the darkness all the time. So what does that mean for us today? Jesus, as part of the Godhead, brought light into the world. Through history, it was written about Jesus being the light of the world. And so we as Christians are called to bring light into a dark world. That's our role. In a sense, it's been passed down to us through the Holy Spirit to bring light into the world. We read in Isaiah, didn't we? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light and those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned. Now, for us that have become Christians, we sing, we used to sing this song, didn't we? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And uh, uh, on a good, on, it was on a Sunday that Jesus touched me and things like that. We sing about light coming into our lives. And Isaiah 60, I love this verse, I keep coming back to it. Isaiah 60, verse 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Do we feel like that sometimes, that the glory of the Lord is rising upon us? Not many mornings we feel like that, is there? Sometimes we get up, it's a beautiful sunny day, and we just feel God's pleasant presence and glory. But other mornings, like this morning, you might get up and think, oh, it's a dull day. I don't feel very glorious today. But God's glory has come amongst us. That what we, that's what we celebrate in Christmas. We praise God for the changeless, constant light of Jesus. No matter how cold and dark your world may seem, it can be brought to life with the glorious light of the Son of God shines in our heart. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, I want to give a word of caution this morning. And um, it's this. I don't know about you, but in our house, we, we clean the windows quite regularly, yeah? Everybody here clean the 
It depends what you call regularly, you know, do you do them every week or every month or twice a year or something like that. But I don't know about you, but whenever we clean the windows and seem to put a lot of elbow grease into doing it, the next day the sun shines and you look at your windows and you think, did I really clean them yesterday? Yeah? Or when the sun shines in on your dark wood cabinet and you think, I dusted that yesterday and look at all the dust on there. Susan's got a particular eye for dust. She can spot it. I can hoover the floor and miss a little one-inch square over there and Susan will spot the dust. That's what the light does, isn't it? The light reveals the dust and the darkness. And, um, and, and what I would say to you is before we can shine God's light, we've got to ask God to look inside of us and say, what's stopping us? What's, what's blocking my reflector? You know, I, keep, I, I wiped my glasses this morning before I looked through them because I wanted to make sure I could see how clear. And if I want to shine God's light to other people, I need to get rid of those things that are blocking the, the light from shining, the things in my life that shouldn't be there. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is some offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So before we can go out and shine God's light, we've got to make sure that we shine in a clear light, that it's not obstructed by things in our lives. So I'm going to challenge you this week. Two things I want you to do. I want you to spend a week being kind. All of you are kind, I know that. You're all lovely, lovely, kind people. And uh, I want you to do that. But first of all, before you do that, I want to ask you this week to concentrate your prayer every day and say, God, what is it in my life that's stopping me shining as brightly? You're all bright, and I love that, and it's great. That's why I come here. Uh, but I want, what is it in my life that's stopping me shining as bright and as much as I should be? Yeah, so that's the challenge. The Lord wants to give us light. He wants us to shine his light to others. But we need to make sure the light we shine in is pure and good and clean. And that means we've got to do a bit of work and a bit of self-discovery first. In Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, uh, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can be hidden. And we want to be a church that is a light on a hill. Well, a light in Chowdine Main Street and a light from here. Uh, we want to be that light. I love the way the message puts it. It's a bit like, it might have been written by John because it's expanded to about 12 lines and it goes here. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. There you go, folks. You're all on a light stand this next week. Now that I've put you here on a, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. That's lovely, isn't it? By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to be open with God. This generous Father in heaven. So there's a challenge for us. Let's be shining God's light in the community 
in our families and the people around us. Right, let's get back to this, um, this, this, this illustration here. Sarah, would you just go and switch the light out for us? Um, uh, this is really handy, so when I go to bed, I just drop my phone in there, and, uh, and it charges. And when it's fully charged, which I thought it might have done by now, that light changes from blue to green. But the annoying thing about it is, in an empty, dark room, it wakes me up. I wake up and I go, that's changed to green. Because it's only a tiny little light, isn't it? A tiny little light. But in a dark, complete, empty room, it shines in the darkness and it's quite irritating. And so I, as soon as I see it go green, I'll sort of reach over to the bedside, put it down like that, and then it goes off. And then it's great. I can get back to sleep again. So I, you've got to weigh up the advantage of having the phone by your bedside to when it wakes you up in the middle of the night. A man was in a hall like this and all the lights went off like they've done that. And uh, they said, we need to fix the lights. So what he did is he said to everybody, put your hands in the air. So can you do that? Those of you who can't well have put your hands in the air, right? Yeah. And you know why? Because many hands make light work. <laughs> okay. I know it's not terribly dark in here, but can you all get your torches out? You know. It only takes one little light to shine in the darkness to make a difference. Alright? So, looking around here, there's lots of lights. Come on, Mary, you can do it. Well done! Yeah, good. Some people are still getting there, you see. You'd be no good in an emergency because <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see your phones. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's nice when you're in a concert and the lights go all out and everybody's just got a light on. We can all shine as individuals. It's great when we're together shining. Who's shining that one? Is it you, Heather? You must have. Yeah, good. Right, I'm just going to pray in that. Oh, look, look at, wow. David's got a, uh, Bobby Dazzler over there, right. I'm just going to pray now, and, and I'm going to pray that at this time of Christmas that we'll all have the opportunity to shine as individuals, but collectively as a church, we'll shine the light of God's good news for people around us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you came into this world to shine a light. We thank you that you were there in the beginning. You created the earth and you brought forth light, an essential part of our lives. And thank you, Father, that you want to give your light to each one of us so that we can shine it in our community, shine to other people. Father, help us to do that. Help us to examine our lives and see what is stopping us from shining a perfect and clear light to others, Lord. So I pray a blessing on each person here today. I pray that you'll fill them with your light, fill them with your love, fill them with your generosity, fill them with your grace, Fill them with your mercy. Fill them with your kindness. Fill them with anything that will get other people to want to know more about you. So I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, band.